0: happy monday evening everyone this is the tomorrow christian today tackling and reading genesis 31 in the nlt with the help of the holy spirit of course hope everyone had a nice day why don't we read this chapter because it looks very intriguing very interesting and there's a lot of themes running here that i hope the holy spirit will make clear to us let's pray Dear Lord, thank you for your Word. Your Word is a joy to read. It's fun to read. It's history to read and it shows man's ongoing struggle with himself, with you. It shows that you are above and in control. There's a lot of unhappiness in the world today. There's been an earthquake in Turkey. People are suffering. Lord, there's many people um, who have died who were alive this morning. It's a sign that you have said in Matthew 24 there shall be earthquakes in different places. There was an even there was even an earthquake in Buffalo as my co-worker said, and then she said to me, the end is coming and gave me a wink because that's usually what I say and she knows it and she's not religious. So I thank you Lord, for I thank you Lord, for your word and I thank you that even though there is suffering and so much destruction, We know, Lord, you will wipe away the tears and bring it to a close one day. It's a sign that you are coming, growing every nearer to us, Lord. Thank you. Help us to read your word and to do with grace and respect and reverence. Please help us to learn by sending your Holy Spirit to us. Amen. There's just a lot here. I just read this and, you know, you read something you haven't read it for a long time. And you say, is this important? Is this just a theme? Is this just what happens? So let's just start and we'll just try to cap it at 30 minutes because I'm sure there's a lot to talk about here. And it's not like you can ever do this the same because no matter how much you read the chapter in the Bible, it has infinite directions that it can go when different people read it. It says, verse 1, Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything. So there's grumbling going on. There's dissension and there's disunity. Welcome to the human race. And Jacob says there's a notice that he's noticed a change in Laban's attitude. And verse 3 says, God is speaking to him. Return to the land of your father and grandfather to your relatives there and I will be with you. So Jacob calls Rachel and lay out to the field where he's watching his flock. He said, I have noticed that your father's attitude towards me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. So he says their father has changed, but he says that my father, the God of my father, um, is with me. You know how hard I've worked for your father, but he's cheated me changing my wages 10 times. God has not allowed him to do me any harm, um, and then he says, For he, for if he said the speckled animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. So God sees, I mean, Jacob sees God working in the appearance of his animals. So God is paying him back with flocks and herds, which is kind of a, a sign of wealth. But it's also the fact that the phenotype I got that from science. You like that, eh? Genotype, phenotype. The phenotype has changed. And he says that when the phenotype changes, it's a sign from God. It's an external sign that God is speaking to him and is with him. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. Verse 12, the angel said, look up and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, um, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. So it's interesting that um, Bethel, so it's like Bethel, Bethlehem, house of bread, or house of God, but it's interesting that the angel is speaking for God. So there's an angel speaking, but when the angel opens his mouth, um, he's, um, he is passing the message um, along from God. And it's interesting because Jesus says that he alone has seen the Father. Jesus communed with the Father directly, But it seems that for us human beings, us sinful human beings, like, say, Jacob, who is very blessed by by God, he still, um, there has to be a go-between, there has to be a mediator between him and God. He cannot see God directly, or he has a a dream where the angel is speaking on behalf of God. Rachel and Leah responded in verse 14, that's fine with us, we won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyways. He's reduced our rights to those of foreign women, and after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us. So the the girls, the wives, they're ready to go. They're on board with this plan, and apparently they're having a little bit of dissension with the father because they're saying the father has wasted the money, and it seemed that Laban really liked money. You know, he was kind of chasing after um, Abraham's servant there. You know, uh, he was chasing, and that was for Isaac, and that was for Rebecca, and he was sort of. Um, that he was sort of chasing after that guy and, you know, very interested in, you know, getting him because of when the servant produced all the gifts. So maybe Laban has an eye for the trinkets, for the money, for the cash. You know, he likes wealth. So uh, it's obviously maybe money's a priority for him, you know, and I, I guess this is kind of a hard thing to see that he's that Jacob is actually getting wealthier despite his best efforts to stop that, and he's getting poorer. So the pride in the ego comes out. It says, verse 16, All the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children, so go ahead and do whatever God has told you. So the wives give him like they are proving this plan. So Jacob put his wives and children on camels, and he drove all the livestock in front of him. He packed all the belongings he had acquired in Padaram and set out for the land of Canaan where his father Isaac lived. So Isaac is still alive. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away, sharing his sheep. Rachel, now I don't get this, but she stole her father's household idols and took them with her. I don't really get like why do that? Just just get up and leave. Don't, don't do that. Was it out of spite? I really don't understand. But it, that's what the Bible says. So, you know, when you see little details like that, you think to yourself, Either somebody's making this up, so they're using all these little details to make you think it's not made up, or it can't be made up because like, if you're making something up, why would you include such a um, an imp- unimportant little detail unless it were absolutely true? Verse 20, Jacob outwitted Laban, for they set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. So Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River, heading for the hill country of Gilead. Isn't there a psalm psalm that says a bomb in Gilead? So it's like that's the country of Gilead. I don't know what the meaning of that, of the word Gilead is. Should I look it up? Let me see if I can find. So this is in verse 21. It says this area south of Galilee to the east of the Jordan River, respectively. The area south of Galilee to the east of the Jordan River. So it's sort of, um, this is from John MacArthur's notes about where this country is actually located geographically. So three days later, Jabin, uh, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Three days later, again with the three days, how long uh, did they figure out, when did Mary and Joseph uh, leave? And then they realized, hey, wait a second, we've misplaced the Son of God. <laughs> it took them three days. Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. So this. Three is very important in the Bible. So it takes this guy three days to realize, hey, Jacob is not where he's supposed to be. He gathered out a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. It almost sounds like Pharaoh chasing after um, uh, Israel in in the desert. And of course, Jacob is going to be named Israel because Jacob is going to wrestle with the, devil, with the angel. Uh, spoiler alert, but I'm sure you already knew that. And his name is going to be changed to Israel, which means overcomer. He caught up with Jacob seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But in the previous night, God had appeared to Laban the Aramean in a dream and told him, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone. So God, is, God speaks to people in dreams. I, I mean, I, I know I had a very strange dream. I know. Have you ever had a dream? where you remember it for a while and then it disappears. So I have dreams, I remember them, you know, I had get up in a fright um, and then I may get up and not remember I had a dream till I'm triggered or I remember it for 24 hours and it's gone. And I do remember getting up in a fright that, and I remember the dream is that there was a spider in my clothes. And I was, I knew there was a spider in my clothes and I was trying to get the thing out, but I couldn't find it because it was walking around in my clothes. And then I woke up with a start. So that's the last dream I just had where I actually remember it. It just, you know, they they say this, that your mind changes, your brain waves change when you're sleeping. And they say, we need sleep, like you need to rest. Why do people start to go, uh, they were doing experiments with people and they would stop them from dreaming. They would stop them from having REM movements rapid eye movements and when that happened people began to lose it they began to lose control of themselves so somehow the brain has to have these dreams it has to get into this activity to rest but in this kind of state that's where god speaks to people and apparently he's speaking to laban and saying don't do this you know the, the book of uh, romans in romans chapter one it says that god has given everybody a conscience and it seems that god speaks through that conscience in dreams to people Because he obviously spoke to Laban to leave Jacob alone. But like Saul going after David and like Egypt going out, like the Pharaoh going after um, Israel, uh, they didn't listen. So he catches up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead and set up his camp not far from Jacob's. And he says, what do you mean by stealing away like this? Laban demanded, how dare you drag my daughters away like prisoners of war? Oh, so now he's now he's. Um now he's offended okay like he's taking the high moral ground how dare you do this to my daughters apparently his daughters are not really seeing um on board with him because he wasn't privy to what they said to jacob um earlier on in the chapter why did you slip away why did you steal away why are you trying to leave i would have given you a farewell feast with singing and music accompanied by tambourines and harps does anybody believe that I think Laban's character is sort of, uh, he says one thing, but he does another. Little bit hypocritical there, wouldn't you say? A little bit two faced, you know? Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and grandchildren and tell them goodbye? So we're now trying to guiltize Jacob, okay? We're trying to guiltize him for, for upping and leaving. You have acted very foolishly. Is this guy for real? I mean is he honestly for real and I I'm reminded as I read this that you know according to John MacArthur's notes here Jacob is like 90 years old he's not he's not a little kid this is a man who's 90 okay and he's decided I need to I need to set out I need to be independent I need to go have my own space my own place Okay, when you're 90 years old, I think you get you should be allowed to do what you want. Of course, people don't because they're older and they need to depend on other people, where they live and how they're taken care of. But you know what I mean? Maybe these are different times because, it's, because they all still have energy. Like, does the notes here say that Jacob is 90 years old? Okay, he's like Abraham, he's like Isaac. They're, they're old. But a lot of stuff is happening to them when they're old. The journey is still going. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me, leave Jacob alone. So he says he has all this power, but then he he does honestly say that he had a dream. So he is transparent to some degree. I can understand your feeling that you must go in your intense longing for your father's home, but why have you stolen my gods? There's a butt there and his wife stole my gods. Of course, Jacob doesn't know anything about this. He says, I rushed away because I was afraid, which is kind of true. I thought you would take your daughters uh, from me by force. But as for your gods, see if you find them and let the person who has taken them die. Oh, boy. So uh, Jacob doesn't know that he's kind of been deceived by his wife, you know, because, you know, Jacob did a little bit of deceiving there. And now what goes around comes around, huh? It's like a boomerang don't do to others Jesus always says don't do to others what you don't want done to you do unto others as you would have others do unto you isn't that the golden rule and it's such an important rule of life for for relationships if you want people to treat you nice you got to treat people nice if you want respect then give respect you know relationships why is this so hard why is this so hard for us it's such a simple rule and if you find anything else that belongs to you, identify it before all these relatives are, are ours and I will give it back. Well, that's true. I, I think that's, that's a, a good thing. Like he's being transparent. You know, if we've taken something by accident, take it back, you know. But Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the household idols. Apparently not. Apparently she kept that little factoid from him. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, then the tents of the two servant wives, but he found nothing. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. Rachel had taken the household idols and hidden them in her camel saddle, and now she was sitting on them. When Laban thoroughly searched her tent without finding them, she said to her father, Please, sir, forgive me if I don't get up for you. I'm having my monthly time. So Laban continued his search, but he could not find the household idols. I don't know why she did this like maybe it's just out of spite maybe she believes these idols have some kind of power maybe it's like you know my lucky charm or my rabbit's foot or something like that i don't know if anybody really has a rabbit's foot anymore i never had a rabbit's foot so yeah. I always hear about rabbit's foot being a lucky charm well apparently the rabbit who lost his foot didn't think it was so lucky then Jacob became very angry, and he challenged Laban. What's my crime? What have I done to make you chase after me? He's like, I'm a criminal. You have rummaged through everything I own. Now show me what you have found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us before our relatives. Let them judge. For 20 years I've been with you, taking care of everything. If um, you know, and he says that he protected. He protected Laban's interests, right? He sounds like David. You know, he's the shepherd. He's protecting the animals. If were attacked and killed by wild animals, I never showed you the carcass and asked you to reduce the count of your flock, you know? So um, he's saying that he never used any of Laban's um, goods for his own uh, welfare support. He says, I took the loss myself. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day, through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years, I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years, earning your two daughters 14, you know, seven times two. I've kind of seen like 14 in the Bible somewhere. Is it like 14 is like when they say times time and half a time, is that 14, 14 and 14? That's like 42, like 42 months, 42 days, you know, there's 14 there, so times time and half a time three and a half years 14 14 and 14 42 so there's a lot of numbers in the bible and then six more years for your flock and you change my wages 10 times in fact if the god of my father has not been on my side the god of abraham and the fearsome god of isaac you would have sent me away empty-handed but god has seen your abuse and my hard work that is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you so on one hand he says he's afraid But on the other hand, he's very, on the other hand, he's very courageous. He actually witnesses for God. He says that God is in charge of my life and God has seen um, what's happened and God will judge accordingly. And that's true. God sees all. He sees everything from every perspective. There's a part in Romans, I think, um, it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay God asks us not to indulge in vengeance, but he says that I will, I will judge and I will meet out the penalty. And when God judges and when God sets out the penalty, when God acts, you know that it's a fair judgment because God is the perfect judge that sees every perspective, every angle, takes everything into consideration. I mean, I've seen some human judges that are really smart. You know, even Judge Judy, she would get really angry, but she was a pretty smart lady. You know, she was like, she would ask all these questions and she would get to the meat of the matter. And if you tried to fool around, you know, around her, um, in her courtroom kind of showing off, she definitely picked up on that. Like, she was obviously very smart, but she's just a human being. But God is the judge and he's not, he's, he's divine. God knows all, God sees all, God hears all, God understands all. You can't out-argue God, and you can't win an argument against God, because God is smarter than you and me. Laban replied to Jacob, These women are my daughters, these children are my grandchildren, these flocks are my flocks. In fact, everything you see is mine. Is that really true? No, everything you see is God's but what can I do now about my daughters and their children? Here's the answer, buddy. Nothing. It's not, you're not in control and it doesn't belong to you. So come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to your commitment. So I don't know if he's got a pride thing happening or even his pride is being um, deflated because he knows there's nothing he can do about it. You know, he said his piece, uh, Jacob said his piece and it's time to stop um, pursuing him it's time to call the arguments quits and it's time to make peace bury the hatchet and move on jesus says you must forgive it always plays in my mind jesus says you must forgive he says if you don't forgive your heavenly father will not forgive you i guess it plays to my mind personally because you know i'm immature I can carry a grudge I can be angry but if I don't forgive people who have hurt me God will not forgive me maybe what I'm saying now does not apply here maybe I've just gone off on a tangent that's wrong but it's always reminds me when when you know this guy Laban is talking like this you know it's like you just sometimes you have to let bygones be bygones and you have to bury the hatch and move on because if you don't you'll never go forward you'll never be clear of it you'll never progress and you'll never grow because you'll always be stuck at the same moment you'll be in this like temporal time loop and you'll never go forward and i guess maybe this guy laban knows he either can't do anything or it's time to let it go so Jacob set up a stone and set it up as a monument. I guess, why do they always use stones in the Bible? They use stones to kill people? They use stones for covenants? I mean, God used the stone out of the mountain. People said to me, well, the reason we have the old covenant is that it's made out of stone and it's, and it's made out of rock and it doesn't ever go away. And that's why we have to uh, keep the Sabbath day. And uh, it has to be, uh, we have to go to the church on the Sabbath. That's what I was told. It's rock and it doesn't go away. Well, rock is pretty hard, but it can be corroded. But rock is also hard and and it could represent hard heartedness. It could represent rebellion It could represent rules are for rebellious people. The old covenant is for people who don't want to change. So they have to have guardrails. They have to have training wheels. They have to have rules because they don't understand relationships. Maybe I've also gone off on a tangent, but I remember studying, when I was studying about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, Jesus says he's the New Covenant. Oh, the New Covenant is just love. It's not to be taken serious. The Old Covenant is rules. Those rules are forever. But then I read this in Timothy, and it kind of shocked me. It says here in First Timothy chapter 1, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers or mur- for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice um, a different life, enslavers, liars, perjur- perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. This confused me because I was told, you keep the law, you're lawful. But this is saying, if you keep the law, then you're not lawful. You keep the law because you're not lawful, so you need rules and you need guardrails because you don't know how to do it on your own. And that love and the the grace and the new covenant is no guardrails, but you walk in a narrow path, not because you have to do it, but because you want to do it. That sounds like it's even more harder than, than law. Law is training wheels. The new covenant there's no training wheels you're riding the bike you're doing it you're on the bike you're balancing the bike the training wheels are not there they're not doing it for you but anyways it says this pile of stones will stand as a witness to remind us of the covenant we have made today covenant contract agreement you know i started to study these covenants i didn't even know what the covenant was like 10 years ago This guy is preaching and he says a New Covenant Christian. I'm thinking, what's a New Covenant Christian? Is this some kind of new kind of Christian? Where is this New Covenant? What is this New Covenant thing? No clue. I'm like, I am totally clueless. 47 years old and I have no idea what the New Covenant means. New Covenant is a contract agreement. That explains why it was called Galid, witness pile. But it was also called Mizpah, which means watchtower. For Laban said, may the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep this covenant when we are out of each other's sight. Isn't the Lord keeping watch over us? Is he keeping watch over you? Isn't God holding on to you so you don't fall? Satan didn't want God's watch. He fell. God let go of him and or Satan didn't want God to hold on to him. He fell. We're fallen beings. But God's got us. You surrender your life. God's watching you. God's holding you. God won't let you fall. If you mistreat my daughters or if you marry other wives, God will see it it, even if no one else does. He is a witness to this covenant between us. So he says God. Laban says God, but yet he was looking for these idols. So it's like, does he know there's a God? How come he's got idols, but he says God? When he says God, is he thinking of the same God that Isaac, um, that Jacob is thinking of? So it's like he's religious and he's going to the right God and then he's going back to his idols. I don't know if you ever found those idols. It doesn't say if she gave them back. Why did he even need them? Verse 51, see this pile of stones? Laban continued, and see this monument I've set between us. They stand between us as witnesses of our vows. I will never pass this pile of stones to harm you. You must never pass these stones or this monument to harm me. Isn't this what Saul said to David? I have given you, you've given me good and I've given you evil. I will never bother you again. And then he went home and he never, there there was a part where Saul said, you know what, I've done you wrong. He says, I'm not going to bother you anymore. He goes home and he starts bothering David again. But there was one time where finally he said, I will never bother you again, and he didn't. It kind of like, this sounds like it here. There's a covenant here, and Laban is saying, I will never cross over into your personal space, and you will never do that with mine. There will be, I don't know if it's love or respect. Respect can breed love, or or maybe you can respect someone, but you don't love them. So it's not forward compatible. But if you love somebody, you will respect them. It's backwards compatible. I always get those things mixed up. Verse 53 I call on the God of our ancestors, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of my grandfather Nahor to serve as a judge between us. So he calls on God, the God of our ancestors, which he says is the true God, or that's what he implies to me, anyways. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. I'm just reading this and I'm just, what does my brain see? Maybe you read it and you don't see the things. You see something else. John MacArthur has some really good notes here. And some of these notes are his personal observations. And some of them are observations by other Bible scholars. And some of them are amazing things that I would never think about. Because, you know... God has given me a certain level of intelligence, he's given you a certain level of intelligence, and he's given Dr. MacArthur a certain level of intelligence. And he's given him a certain ability to preach the word in a very simple and powerful way. We're all given certain talents by God, certain abilities, certain ways of discernment, which we can ask for more from the Holy Spirit. But we should always try to go to the best of our abilities. That's why we're doing this. We're having fun, but we're reading God's word. It's here for a reason. All this is for a reason. God is using these words. We're supposed to think about this. We're supposed to struggle with it. We're supposed to imagine it in our minds. It's not just a pack of words. It's a story, it's a picture, it's a vision, it's a historical document. God is keeping watch over our relationships. And because we're broken and sinners, those relationships are harder and more tumultuous. Unity is difficult and it's achievable with God alone. So Jacob took an oath before the fearsome God of his father father Isaac to respect the boundary line, respect. You can go to church on Sunday, you can go to church on Saturday I think. Romans 14 to me is a chapter of respect. Somebody's a Christian just like you are but they're not gonna have the same diet, they're not gonna see things the same way but there should be respect. But when I went to a church and they said, you go to a church on, on, a, on a different day and, and that's wrong. You're not like us. That was not respect. I know what respect sounds like. I may not be the brightest guy in the shed. I may not be the sharpest two in the shed, but I know what respect sounds like. You want respect, give respect. Verse 54, then Jacob offered a sacrifice to God. There on the mountain and invited everyone to a covenant feast And they, after they had eaten, they spent the night on the mountain. We are going to be part of the covenant supper where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will come and all the people will be there. That's, that's the supper of the lamb, the covenant supper of the lamb in revelation. Is that 19? There's two suppers. There's one where you're having supper with God. And then there's the other supper without God in revelation 19. And that second supper, it doesn't sound very pretty. You don't want to be at that supper. You want to be at the supper table of the Lamb, where we all sit down together forever, and we sup together forever. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Verse 55, Laban got up early the next morning, and he kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. Sound to me like a happy ending all's well that ends well. God bless you all.